It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.08 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape with whatever you want to do. All you got to do is give me a call, 404-872-0750, 404-872-0750. We'll get your question in, out, and gone, and you can be about your business today. One of the greatest things that I get to do in my job is to be presented with new information, with new um, things that I didn't realize were true or thought I knew the answer to it turned out not to be true, turned out to be false. And last Saturday, I had one of those situations. I was, as you remember last Saturday, we went to the Pike Nursery over at Holcomb Bridge and had a nice, nice, nice broadcast from up there at Holcomb Bridge Road. And after we had been there and sort of cleaning things up, my friend Jeff Potter came in. Jeff Potter is a great landscaper here in Atlanta, garden designer, plant expert, perennial plant expert, hosta expert. Jeff, Jeff seems to know a little bit about every plant you would have. So Jeff says, here are some magnolia leaves and twigs that I collected off a magnolia tree. And I believe this is happening to the magnolias in front of WSV. I said, I will check it out this coming Saturday, which I'll do after the show this morning. But just pointed out, he said, now look at here. The end of these tufts of branches, he said, only about one, two, three, four, five, six, I guess, leaves at the end of the branch were all brown. He said, the rest of the branch is completely green. Everything's fine on the rest of the branch. Just the tip is brown. What do you think caused that? And I thought back to myself, I had seen that a couple of months or two or three maybe ago and had gone outside to my neighbor's magnolia tree and looked at Carl's magnolia and said, well, I think that because the rest of the tree is green, it's just these little tufts here and there. Maybe it's just drought damage or winter damage or some crazy thing like that. Nothing to worry about. Jeff, though, to his credit, says, look what I found. He had taken his little pocket knife and he had scraped the bark off the twig, off the magnolia twig. And what did he find underneath the bark? He couldn't see it from on top of the bark. You couldn't see it unless you scraped the bark away. Three little holes, one, two, three, right side by side, pinholes. I mean, barely the size of a needle. And those three little holes are the holes made by a kind of ambrosia beetle, not the one that gets on crepe myrtles and uh, all the other kinds of uh, trees we've seen earlier this year. A different kind of twig borer. This is called the black twig borer. And black twig borer attacks several different kinds of shrubs, and in this case, magnolia trees and things like that. And what happens is the female bores in, like normally happens on these beetles. She bores in, turns at a right angle down the twig, makes a little um, makes a little cocoon, I guess you'd call it, in the middle of the twig. There's a little place for her to live. And she puts in there some fungus, which she has carried with her inside the twig, and she deposits it and lays her eggs on top of it. And the fungus grows inside the twig. The eggs have something to eat inside the twig. And finally, after the fungus has grown a little bit further, it causes the ends of the magnolia branch to turn brown and fall off, carry the little baby ambrosia beetles with it down to the ground where they can pupate for a while and be safe. Then up they go to 
In fact, the branch tips on another magnolia. Jeff Potter, you showed me those little bitty, little bitty pinholes that he had found on the magnolia branches and showed me that I did not know what I was talking about. It was not anything about winter damage or drought damage or anything like that. It was ambrosia beetle, or in this case, a black twig borer. So if you see a magnolia, again, I, Jeff told me they were out here in front of the WSB studio, and he said, if you see a twig borer, print it out. That's the best thing you do. Print it out. Dispose of it completely. Don't let it put it out in the woods behind the house or anything. Don't put it on your compost pile. Dispose of it completely, and then don't worry about too much about it. It's not an explosive pest. It's not something that's going to kill all the magnolia trees. It's just one of those things that we learn more about, learn more about, and learn more about every day. Now, another creature, I think creature, I am not sure creature. This one is a friend of mine lives in California, and she was making what she calls smellies. And smelly is a uh, sachet. She has some sage plants that she had in the backyard, and so she was gathering sage plants, sage branches, and stripping the leaves off of them and put them in these little sachets that she'd give to her friends. And she called me and said, look, on the stem of the sage plant, there's this sort of uh, brown, hard, plasticky-looking stuff. And I wonder what it is, she said. Do you know what it is? I, she took pictures and sent them to me, and I looked at it. At first, I thought it was praying mantis, egg case, because that's a common thing to be brown, sort of plasticky-looking, uh, be on the stem of a plant this time of year. But as I looked further at it, I thought, that, wait a minute. That is not pragmatist egg case. That is something else completely. It's some disordered insects that are living on this mass of stuff on the stem of the sage plant. What the heck could that be? And so I sent it to my, what I call my nature nerd friends. I have several friends who are very uh, investig investigative, meaning that they love having puzzles presented to them as much as I do. And so I presented it to six of them. And by what, 10 o'clock last night when I went to bed, two of them had replied and said, I don't know what that is. That's a good question. Let's figure out what it is together. Tell her to slice it and find out what's inside. So that'll be the job for today is to call out to California and say, could you slice that thing? Take some more pictures and we'll figure out what it is. I will probably post this in my newsletter. The newsletter is uh, coming out next Thursday. And because I want everybody else to see what we were puzzling over this past couple of days here, I'll put it in the newsletter so you can look at it and decide what you think it is as well. Our phone number again, 404-872-0750. First in line, our friend Nicole from Griffin, Georgia. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Mr. Reed. Hey, girl, what you doing? Um, I just got up and not too long ago, and yeah. I took a bath, and I was thinking to myself, thank God for those big water towers. <laughs> why, why do you say that? Because we wouldn't have no water if we didn't have those big water towers. Yeah, that's true. They hold a reservoir, I guess, for the community there. Uh, how long those towers been been in? Uh, many generations must have suffered yeah, sure, from sure, water sure. because Everybody's of that. Everybody's had droughts for hundreds and hundreds of years. That would be the first thing you'd do if you lived in a small rural community and had to farm or had some reason to need a lot of water. You'd think, man, i got to have a water tank, a water tower, a water reservoir, water something here because I can't arm successfully if I don't have some way to store and keep water. Um, I have, um, yesterday I, uh, I wrote down five reasons why, five good reasons for a drought. Oh, good. Oh, so God. Please tell me, what are they? Oh, no. 
Uh, first, it brings the oxygen to the stuff that we plant, brings the to the in? roots. It brings what in? The oxygen to roots, to the roots of trees and... What's an oxygen? I'm not sure what that is. Um, maybe a bowl of air around the... Uh, the atmosphere, you mean? Oxygen. Oxygen, oxygen, oh, oxygen, yeah, okay. So it opens up the soil, so it brings more oxygen to the roots of the tree, sure. Yeah, sense. because of our clay, clay, uh, yeah. clay just gets hard. Then maybe eliminate the fire ants and the catawba worm. I think you're right. Drought does have them. Cold weather does the same thing. You have cold weather or drought, both of them have an effect, definite effect on fire ants and catawba worms, sure. All right, another thing is... Um, it's time to rethink your landscape to be more smarter about planting stuff that don't need no water. <laughs> no. Like cactus and everything else. God almighty. I'm not going to plant cactus in my landscape. There's a couple of things that this year got winnowed out. They're not going to be on my list to transplant or to replace, I guess. So, um, yeah, you certainly learn about your landscape and decide what you're going to keep for next year and what just goes away and never comes back. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of stuff is already dead. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think another thing, it's good for the economy because it gives a lot of more money to the nursery. I know the pike people think that's true. I think they think that's true, but they have a, you know, they have a, a, a hard time persuading people to plant when the drought because folks think it's so hard, so hot, so hard, the soil is so hard. And you can plant, by the way, right now. There's no problem in doing that right now. As long as you have a little bit of a water hose, you can water the plants. We'll have a real nice pike pick this weekend when uh, Mickey Gasway comes with us. But uh, that's hard. When you have a nursery, you, yeah, you're planting new or selling new plants. But on the other hand, you're trying to sell plants to people who are saying, man, it is hot out there. It's still hot and hard soil. Yeah, I went to Lowe yesterday, and they received some pansy, but... Uh... They get leggy because nobody buys yeah, them. Right. That's exactly it. People don't want to buy them because it's just too hot to plant. And I think that's right because pansies love being in cool temperatures and pansies put into 80 and 90 degrees. They, they stretch out. They stretch out and become a big pancake in the landscape rather than a mound like they should be. So it's a good thing to, um, to rethink what you're going to plan, what you're going to eliminate, what needs to be done again. I will talk to Kirk Mellis and tell him to stop worrying about the drought and be thankful we have a drought that my friend Nicole tells me why. Five reasons why. I'll tell him that. And thank God for the water tower. Uh, and water towers, too. Nicole, it's great talking to you. We'll see you, ne <clears throat> see you next week. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well. At 618, we'll be back after this. Scott Slade here on your WSB Weekend. Enjoy Walter Reeves Lawn and Garden and Dave Baker's Home Fix-It this morning on 95.5 WSB. The WSB News Team, meteorologist Kirk Mellish and I will be here Monday morning with Atlanta's Morning News. Here's Walter. Update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Mostly cloudy skies today, high of 72, low of 57. Sunday, mostly clear skies. No, what is this four letter word here on the screen? It says 70% chance of R A I N. 
If anybody knows what that means, please call in and let me know what R-A-I-N means. Because 70% of it tomorrow, which I think is great, high 70, low of 54, your full weekend forecast. And perhaps the definition comes up in 10 minutes on 95.5 WSB. Joel and Tucker has a question about his Japanese maples. Hey, Joel. Good morning. I do, Walter. Hey, Joel. Um, I do. Uh, first thing I need to tell you is I might be called the I hate to garden gardener. Yeah. Uh, I like gardens, but I dislike the work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm willing to mow grass, uh, and more likely it's cut green stuff, not really grass. One thing that I do like to uh, do about gardening is this. I am, admire volunteers, and by volunteers I mean seed, mean seedlings that pop up sometimes yeah. where you want them and free sometimes plants, not. Free plants you didn't pay for, yeah. Right. For instance, I have two oak trees growing in the, ba- uh, in, in the garden that happened to grow just where I wanted them. They started out as seedlings, and they're doing fine. And the particularly nice thing is I don't want them to get huge, and they found themselves a home in some soil that's not great. So their growth is kind of slow, but they're pretty, and they're going to be smaller than the average oak tree. Okay. Got a question about some other seedlings that I currently have, uh, some Japanese maple uh, seedlings that are growing, some camellia se- seedlings that are growing, and a mimosa. Mm, uh, my question is uh, generally, this is about the Japanese maples and the camellias. Uh, given this time of year, what should I do about nurturing them? Mm. Now, these are, these are a couple not where I want them. I want to transplant them. How tall are they? Uh, the Japanese maple are maybe 10 inches high. Okay. Uh, the camellias are maybe 5 to six, 7 inches high. Okay, easy, easy, easy. They should be easy to transplant, and yes, you can do it perhaps not now when it's still dry and hot, but uh, let's see, first of November might be a good time. First week in mm-hmm. November would be a good time. And because neither of them are very big, they don't have a huge root system underneath the above-ground stem. So you don't have to worry too much about getting this huge root ball or anything like that. So mm-hmm. one good big scoop of your shovel should be able to get all the roots in one, one ball. What I would do then, I think, is either, either two things. I'll let you choose. I'm not sure which one I would do. You either can transplant them to the place where you do want them to be and then put a stone or something so you don't mow over them next year. Or you could transplant each of them to a gallon pot and put it up next to the house. Be sure you water it once in a while in the wintertime and let them grow for a while there and then transplant them next spring to where you want them eventually to be. I think either one would work just fine. It's basically just taking care of them between now and spring and plant them then. Okay. And then I have a question about a mimosa that's growing almost where I want it Real to quick. be. It's coming really out from quick. under uh, a staircase. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I say it's almost where I want it to be, it's going to grow where I want it, uh, it at a little bit of an angle. But it's about four feet from where the water line comes into our house and four feet in a different direction from where the sewer line runs out. And I'm wondering if that could be a problem with a mimosa. Joel, if I were you, the mimosa goes. I would think there's enough problems with mimosas anyway. And the possibility of being a problem with the water lines is probable more than maybe. So, yeah, I'll get it out of there and not worry too much about it. At 628, we'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on 95.5 WSB. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. At 6.36 on a Saturday morning, 63 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful 
This morning we're counting down to 8 a.m. when the show ends because the pregame show for the Georgia Bulldogs begins then. 8 a.m., Lawn and Garden ends, pregame show begins. In the next half hour, we'll start with a little quick report about possums in Tucker. We'll go to Lucille in Ballground and have a great answer for her about how to propagate angel trumpets. And Harry in Lilburn is out there with a hose watering his zoysia. He wants to know if he can stop watering his zoysia lawn. Robert, give us a quick update on possums in Tucker. Good morning, sir. Morning, sir. Uh, Miss Gassaway, uh, ran with Jamie, Alabama, and Nicole. We all this this report on the uh, North American opossum yeah. comes about because uh, they own a feral a feral cats. Yeah, 70, I call them my seventy thirty cats. Seven uh, percent in thirty uh, percent uh, inside, seven percent outside. Now, where the opossum comes in is. Uh, if you, I don't know if you remember or not, we I, we had a, a mother possum drop me off a little baby. I remember you noting that. Yeah, it's been a little while for, since then, Robert. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long. Yeah, I think you went to Vietnam, man. Yeah. <laughs> like I, but uh, she dropped me off one. Okay, and this little baby possum grew up with these feral cats that I rescued. <laughs> I, I've had them for like eighty, excuse me, eight years. Well, I want to tell you, the the little possum is now a big possum. Yeah. The little po- the little po- the big possum has its own bowl, comes inside, eats out of my hand just like the seventy thirty cats do. And the seventy thirty cats, of course, uh, we don't have voles, we don't have gopher rats, yeah. we don't have snakes. I'm just saying that uh, the North American opossum, first of all, is a marsupial, not a rodent. Right. Uh, something I learned from uh, the Wildcat wild show on public TV, they are immune to rattlesnake poison. They don't, I'm not yeah, sure about. I'm not that. sure. I'm not sure about copperheads or uh, or water moccasins. Well, okay? Bottom line, Robert, you're saying that if you have a possum, leave the possum be. If you want him to pet him a little there's, bit and be careful with him. Of course. We, well, I don't know. I tell you what, they got some sharp teeth. Yeah, they do. But I haven't, I haven't never been bitten by one. But I know uh, when this little little one was coming bigger, he would go through a a, a, a bag of fifty pound uh, cat food pretty quick. Wow! I'm just telling you that. But I'm not saying this. They're a great animal, and uh, one one thing. Well, we got to we got to go pretty quick here because I know Lucille's been waiting for twenty minutes. So I need to go to her. But summarize the possible they, report. So the they don't when they when you see one out in the road. Yeah, they have they have no control when they drop to, to play possum. Yeah, they can't they can't control reaction. it, and they cannot they they can't control when they wake up. Yeah. So if you see one in the road, try to avoid it. If you can. Pull him, pull him by the get a pair of gloves and go ahead and pull him off the road, put him in the weeds, and let him recover over there. It's probably a good idea as well. Robert, thanks so much for calling. That is a great possum report, and you let us know about how your big possum is doing. And if you ever get bit by one, don't blame me. We got Lucille in Ball Ground joining us. Hey, Lucille, good morning. Good morning. Hi. I have a beautiful angel trumpet and also a Confederate rose, and good. older people have told me that I can root those and multiply them by cutting the limbs or something. Yeah, oh, yeah, they're easy, 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 easy. 
Ha- older people, younger people, middle-aged people, all sorts of people will tell you the same thing. They're easy to root. They're easy to deal with. They sure are. Here, Should I keep them over the see. winter? Yeah. Here's what I would do. Many times, both the angel trumpet and the Confederate rose will come back after a freezing winter without too much trouble. They don't get frozen to the ground very often, but sometimes they do. Every eight years or so, you'll have a bad winter, and neither of them comes back. And that's why people do cuttings at the beginning of the winter to make sure they have some little plants they can plant out next spring in case the mother plant dies, all right? But it's easy to do. And all you need are get two small plastic buckets, buckets about, oh, what, eight inches high, I guess, and about six or seven inches wide. It could be a big glass vase. It could be some container of water that's about 10 inches high. You just want something that will hold water all winter long. In one bucket, you take cuttings from the angel trumpet, and for that, you just go down the stem where the stem changes from a sort of a green color to a brown, uh, brown sort of white spotted on the limb. And that is the part of the limb that propagates the easiest. So you go down the limb of the angel trumpet, cut off the green part at the top, and then start making chunks of the limb about 12 inches, I guess, long. One, two, three. You usually get four out of an angel trumpet long limb. And each one of those mark which is the bottom and which is the top because the bottom is what goes into the water, and the top stays out of the water when you have your bucket there beside. And so you put your as many cuttings as you feel like doing, Lucille, 5, 10, 20, I don't care. How, how many friends do you have? And so that's what you do with the angel trumpet. With Confederate Rose, it's almost the same. You've got long, tall uh, stalks on the, on the um, Confederate Rose. And so you would look up at the top, and there's a green part. There's a new part that does not root very well. As you go down the stem and cut it into chunks about 12 inches long, chunk, 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 you get five or six sometimes from a, a tall Confederate rose. Put those in a different bucket so you can tell them apart from each other. Put them in a, a warm window inside the house, and by, let's see, right now it's October, so by mid to late November, you'll see little white roots sticking out of every one of the cuttings, little white roots about an inch long. And then in December, the roots will go wrapping around inside the bucket. There's a mass of roots. In January, you can take each one out individually and repot it, put it into a little gallon or six-inch pot. And by February, April, February, March, April, you can be taking them outside once in a while while it's warm at night. And by April, give it to your friends or keep the ones you want for yourself. And you've got some angel trumpet and Confederate rose. And that whole time I've kept it in water. Yeah, six inches down, about six inches of water over the bottom of the of the chunk of uh, limb, not the whole thing covered, but about six inches, half of it covered with water, half of it out of the water. Yeah. Okay, all right. No fertilizer, no nothing. This is so simple, Lucille. This is something that you can do, fall off a log backwards with your eyes closed. And I can do that starting now. I would. would. You? I can do, you can do it now. You can wait till the first frost is not the leaves off of them. Anytime's fine. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Nothing to it. You helped me explain that to a lot of other people who are listening right now. Thanks for calling, Louise, Lucille, I mean. Thanks for calling. We've got Harry in Lilburn who's sitting outside watering his zoysia, he says. What's going on with the zoysia lawn, Harry? Well, I'm trying to avoid, and thank you for taking my call, the enormous water bills you get on about an acre when you try to keep zoysia grass alive. All right. And I'm hoping it will go into dormancy, but I know the weather is kind of funny this year. So how much? And I would like nothing more than cut off the sprinkler system. How much have you been watering? Tell me more about what your schedule has been. I'm using 40 minutes, and I usually do it every third day. All right. 
Do you know how much water is being applied in 40 minutes? Uh, no, I don't. That's key. Got to figure that out. That's the first thing to figure out before you figure out how how often or how much or how long or anything like that is how much does my sprinkler system apply in a, let's say, 30-minute period. And if that's easy to do, you do it this morning if you want to. Get a four, five, six, um, so I won't say beer cups, but that's not what I don't really mean. But, yeah, beer cups, you know, plastic cups. And put them out in the lawn where one of the sprinkler um, segments is, is sprinkling. And put them all out there and run the sprinkler for 30 minutes and then turn it off. Go out and average the height of the water at each one of those cups. Right. And that gives you sort of the average application rate of that sprinkler head at that particular part of your yard. Do that with all of your sprinkler zones because each one could be a little bit different. One might be a light zone. Whoever put it together didn't put the uh, things together quite right. So it's very light and doesn't apply as much water as you think it does. And when you know what each zone delivers, then your goal during the summer when it's hot, not so much now, but in the summer when it's hot in July and August, would be an inch of water a week, one time a week. Oh, yeah, that's probably better than me watching the glass kind of turn brown than I turn it on. Yeah, yeah, right. So you try to be ready. I always water like at 2 a.m., 1 a.m. Not a good time. Best time is probably... Just as the sun comes up, because you, what you want to happen is when the water is on the grass, you want the grass to dry out pretty quickly so that the grass does not right. stay wet for a long period of time. And if you're watering it at 1 a.m., then it stays wet from 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. and then on for you know some of the morning, too. I think I'd rather you did it in the morning just as the sun comes up and let it dry off by noon. Right. I have six zones, so that's why I did it at 1 a.m. So the last zone would be off at yeah, sunrise. I understand. So the first well, thing, Larry, so is go figure out how much water you put down in each zone and then figure out how long it'll take you to put down the inch of water per week, one time, home free. You've done it. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks for calling, Harry. It's 646 News Talk WSB. A reminder, tomorrow is the Atlanta Journal and Constitution. They have 283, if I'm not mistaken, $283 worth of coupons in the paper. They're credible. They're compelling. They are complete. The Atlanta Journal and Constitution. I'll be reading mine tomorrow morning, just like I hope some of you will, too. It's 647. We'll be back after this. It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Walter Reeves on Saturday mornings on your Amazon Echo or Dot? And me too, weekday mornings. Just say, Alexa, play WSB. And we're on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Walter. And she was lying in the grass. And she could hear the highway breathing. And she could see an earbud factory. She's making sure she is not dreaming. And a quick weather update brought to you by Finley Roof. And mostly cloudy skies today. High of 72, low of 57. Sunday, mostly clear skies. The chance of rain has been <clears throat> reduced from 70% to 45, 45 or 50% tomorrow. Sad to say, high of 70, low of 54. But your full weekend forecast comes in 10 minutes of 95.5 WSB. Tucker, David, I should say David and Tucker, or Tucker and David. Hey, welcome to Lawn and Garden. Hey, Dave, good morning. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Yes, that's uh, that gentleman who's having mimosa problems. You can come and take my volunteer mimosas yeah. anytime for free. You want his possum too? You know, there's one guy that uh, called me earlier had a possum report from Tucker, so you could have all sorts of wild creatures no, and trees. I, I've already had two possums walk into my house in the last few years, so that's that's quite enough. <laughs> well, what did they want in your house? Why were they coming inside? 
Uh, well, I don't know, but they headed for my bedroom uh, <laughs> and kind of set up camp there. And I don't know what's so appealing about it, but that's where they went. Did you have cat food or dog food or something inside? Um, in the house, yes, but not in my bedroom. Hmm. Well, some experienced possible psychologists can tell us why they might have for your bedroom, David, but uh, I'm not going to speculate anything about that. So, so what are we going to talk about with your bulbs that you want to do? Well, I have been told that I should delay planting spring bulbs until the soil has cooled down considerably, as yeah. well as uh, potentially uh, poppy seed that are supposed to uh, germinate in next spring, not yeah. now. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. I would normally say around the 1st of, the, of October to the middle of October is a good time to plant spring flowering bulbs like daffodils and tulips and things like that. Man, it, that's crazy. It is 90, 80, something it's going to be, 72, like high of 70 tomorrow. Yeah, it's still a little bit warm. The soil temperatures are still pretty high. And those bulbs, when they go into warm soil, they start respirating really rapidly, more than they really should, because they really want to be dormant for the rest of the winter before they bloom in the spring. But if you put them into warm soil, the bulbs are going to be respirating, losing their energy that they would rather have for blooming next year. So I think it is a good idea. Delay your planting, put them in a cold, cool, cold, not cold place, but a cool place indoors, and plant when soil temperatures are more down into the 60s to be fine. And what would you define as a cool place? What temperature? Mm, basement, um, unused bedroom with the doors closed. You don't go into very much. Uh, bottom of a closet. Um, places like that. Not okay. in a refrigerator. Not into a uh, chest, you know, chest freezer, chest uh, <clears throat> fridge in the carport or anything. Nothing in the in the garage. I just think a cool place in a corner where yeah, it doesn't get hot. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Always a good idea, too, David, to remind yourself to to plant the bulbs because there's so many people who call me in eh, May and say, you know, I just discovered this bag of bulbs that I brought back in October and never got around to planting. Now what do I do with them? So I don't want you to be that guy. I think somewhere in my dim past I have been that guy. I think you have, too, David. <laughs> <laughs> so mark it. Put strings. Put a big you know, orange uh, uh, cord that goes down to the bag of bulbs saying, David, plant these when it's a little cooler this, this fall. That'll give you a reminder. Okie dokie. Right, Thank David. you. Thanks for calling. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take David's place. 404 404- 872-0750. This is Lawn and Garden, and again, we end the Lawn and Garden show this morning, 8 a.m., because the Bulldog pregame show begins at 8, and we can't interfere with that. 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news.